This week on a lively experiment, the House Finance Committee unveils its long-awaited budget. We'll tell you what's in and what's out. And Massachusetts is offering up big bucks for people to get vaccines. Will Rhode Island follow suit? A lively experiment is generously underwritten by... For more than 30 years, A Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm John Hazen White, Jr., and I'm proud to support this great program in Rhode Island PBS. Joining us with the analysis, Bill Lynch, former chairman of the Rhode Island Democratic Party, Maureen Moakley, retired URI political science professor, and former state representative, Joe Trillo. Welcome to Lively. I'm Jim Hummel. We appreciate you spending part of your weekend with us. For the first time in many years, the General Assembly is not staring at a gaping budget hole as it heads to the finish line of this year's session. But there was still some mystery going into this week about how lawmakers would change the budget Dan McKee proposed shortly after he took over as governor several months ago. We're taping this on a Friday morning. Marine, as usual, on Thursday night. You know, the smoke comes out of the pipe. The House Finance Committee takes 53 minutes, and here we go. It'll be vetted next week. But your initial impressions? My initial impressions is it was a reasonable and fair deal. I think it was. I think there was more transparency. We kind of knew what was going to happen. No income tax. You know, the governor had said no income taxes, no tax increases. Uh, the speaker seemed to go along with that. And I thought the balance was pretty fair in the sense that uh, we have it a surplus now, so the idea of taxing high-end people now probably isn't a good time to do that, although there is a fairness issue. But I do think the fact that we have taxed, for example, real estate and put that money towards housing, that was good. I think that was a fair tax. And I also think the payroll protection was a good thing, particularly when they upped it to over $200,000. So I would say that it was a reasonable budget. It's what most of us expected. And, I, you know, I think, it's, uh, I think it's a statement that's about how McKee and the, the leadership are working well together. Joe? Well, I, I, I am not happy with the budget. I think that they, made, they used an opportunity where they got two extra billion dollars. And they shouldn't have raised a tax. They shouldn't have raised a fee. They should have done nothing but try to... Uh, do some good with that extra $2 billion. Instead, they blew it like drunken sailors. Everybody got a raise, increase this, increase that, and let's go and tax the real estate sales taxes. Uh, the, the tax stamps, they raised, they doubled that. And they put a tax on the PP money over $200,000 that Maureen just said. I don't, I think it sends the wrong message in a year that you have a, uh, a $2 billion gift from the federal government. You can't balance your budget without a tax increase. So I'm, I'm a little disappointed. Now, don't get me wrong. In terms of they could have raised a lot of taxes, they didn't do that. But they shouldn't have raised any with $2 billion in surplus. Well, for Joe to say he's only a little disappointed in the budget <laughs> means it must be the best budget ever crafted by General We're not Assembly picking the, the taxpayers' pockets this year, right? <laughs> I mean, to me, that's a ringing endorsement. And I think that, that Governor McKee and, and the leadership in the House and the Senate should be very happy. And I agree with Maureen. I think it, it was a very transparent process. The budget, by the way, doesn't rely on the um, hopefully um, federal money the that we're going to get. So it's it's really, uh, I think, uh, testimony to 
not only the, the Democratic leadership and to the new governor, but also to the people of Rhode Island. Our receipts are up. Uh, people have been through a horrible, this is our first day back in the studio even to do your program. People have been through a horrible 15 or 16 months, uh, and yet they've been resilient. Uh, and I think that the budget reflects that. Um, and I think that there were some priorities. The speaker had a very strong priority in, in doing something about affordable housing. And so we're going to, you know, increase some fees on Joe and all of his multimillionaire friends if they buy big pieces of real estate in, on Bellevue Avenue and Newport and places like that. Uh, and, and generally, other than that, there were no, no tax increases. And I think it'll be a great step going forward. Yeah, and just to add to that, you know, the, you're talking about the federal money. I think Sharkarchi has been very clear. They're not spending that money now. Uh, they're going to save that for thoughtful infrastructure, which is really important. Yeah. Investment, I, not spending. Investment. And, I mean, there's going to be a special session where they're going to think about it. And, you know, it's a great opportunity when you think of so many times there's things we want to do with transportation and so forth. And it's like, yeah, but we can't afford it. It's just the startup is too much. But, but here's what I wonder. Joe, you've sat in that chamber for a long time. Uh, in 2019, the budget was $9.4 billion. I don't know what it was when you were there, probably five, six, oh, seven. It, it was nine when I was there. Right. And so then it, McKee proposes 11. I think it's kind of a shell game, not a shell game, but it's, it's confusing because you have moving parts with federal money. Now we're up to $13 billion. So are people expecting that to be baked in next year? How do you go back down to 11? It's a 50% increase over X number of years. Now, I understand it's federal money, but when they come to <coughs> next year and you've increased spending for RIC and the, all of the educational programs, I'm not saying they're bad programs, but what happens when you put together well, next year's budget? going to have a deficit that's probably going to be in the billions. And, and they, now they're going to pose it as a major problem. How are we going to solve this problem? And so what are, everybody's going to take a cutback. No, I, I, I disagree. I, I disagree with what you said. In other words, I understand we can't be funding programs that we can't sustain. I agree. But when they, t they bring up the whole idea of the promise and the money to Rick, we're talking, we're talking a billion-dollar budget. We're talking $7 million a year right, or $10 million. million yep. Come on. I mean, that's, you know, yeah, that's but a seven, But how are they going to go back to $11.5 yeah, billion that's, last that's year if you're at 13 now once it's baked in? What about that? Well, I'm not, I'm not sure they're going to go back to exactly what it was a year or two right, years ago. Right, so you're ago, at $13 billion well, but next the, year? But the difference is, I, I don't know anybody. I know at my house, my bills haven't gone down. They're creeping up, and, and the state deals with that as well. I think the good thing is that there have been increases in revenues uh, through the, the benefit, I, to benefit everybody, I think, through the efforts of the legislature. There haven't been big tax increases. This, Maureen is exactly right. In this particular budget, there are essentially none. So um, I think that overall, it's a balancing act. Every single year we've had this discussion. When they do the budget, it's a balancing act based on your revenues and your priorities. Some years have been very tough, mm -hmm. you know, and there had, to, there had to be serious cutbacks. This, luckily, has not one of those years. Next year, I don't know. We're going to get some federal money in the interim, so that will be factored in. The marijuana issue is not going away. I mean, we saw Connecticut vote Just yesterday to yeah. approve. That. So that, that's another revenue source that Rhode Island is going to deal with. In my opinion, it's not a matter of, of if, it's a matter of when. Our casinos and gambling obviously were down with the pandemic. And that's um, So back. we're happy to have that deal with Twin River and IGT. The casinos are back. So things we were are talking good. before, everybody thought Nick Mattiello was the firewall <laughs> against the progressives. The progressives were real. And it's easier to do when you have money. But you and I were talking before. I thought it was very interesting that there was this tremendous pressure, tax the rich, <laughs> increase the taxes. And Sakarchi said no. Yeah. 
No, well, well, did that surprise you? Yeah, I, I didn't surprise me because the, the thing is, I think he's a more. Uh, some some legislator said to me, "There's a different vibe in the legislature. That the, it's more open and people aren't as." Uh, they feel that they can approach leadership. They don't get to do it often because there's so many of them. But I think that um, I think he's done a good job. I think he's uh, he's done what he has to do as far as as far as he has to say no. I mean, you you. Sakachi's a very interesting guy. He's got a a very easy mannerism about him, and he draws you into his personality. He's kind of like he, you, a lot of people say yeah, that we are. Exactly. He's <laughs> laid back like me. But he, he's able to bring in people from all different areas and I think work with them better because of his, his style and his personality. But he still had plenty of money to deal with. And yeah, he's not staring at a money, $300 million deficit. Right, right? No, but we're talking about the fact that he said no to the progressives. In other words, he's given the progressives did fairly well on a lot of other legislation this year, but it wasn't the year for the tax increase, and so he was able to do that. But he's had such a surplus of money, so that's easy to do. Let's see what happens next year when we pull the two billion back from 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 where we're coming. Let's that's the hard year is going to be next year. So I think it's been an easy year to do a budget in, to make a lot of people happy. The progressives shouldn't be upset the fact that we're not chasing more people with money out of the state. Because years it was five years ago that uh, people were saying that if you took all the high earners in Rhode Island that pay the most taxes, you could fill the civic center with them, which is about 12,000 people. And that's about it. And we're chasing these people out of the state. So... I think it was a good idea not to do across-the-board tax increases, and uh, but I got to see what they do next year. What I don't get with all of this money, they're still raising the parking rates at Musquamaca. Just and, silly. And, and, I mean, it's like, silly. The, what do we do here in Rhode Island? Remember when Gina Raimondo floated that, and yeah. then they were like, uh, yeah. Matty Ellis like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Can't we find the money to be able to go to the beach, Billy? I want to see I mean, you down there in your shorts with your umbrella. Everybody would like everything to be free, but some of the, the fees they try to adjust yearly in a way that's fair and doesn't negatively impact on people's ability to, to use, whether it's the beach or anything else. And, and so, I mean, I think generally speaking, there hasn't been any big, you know, cr outcry about, you know, these fees. I think they're, they're reasonable, you know. No one likes to increase anything. I think if you ask any legislator or governor of any party, mm -hmm. would, you, would you rather... Uh, decrease taxes, lower taxes, lower spending, they'd all say yes, but no, it's, it's I don't, easier I don't said agree than with done. That. They no. would not all say yes. You have progressives that, that really believe that you've got to go after the rich every time you see them walk across your path. Whatever you can do to them tax-wise, go after Well, it. based on what you're saying, there's not going to be any of them left in Rhode Island anyway. Well, they're moving out in droves. They've been, so we're importing poverty. We're exporting wealth. We've been doing that for the last 10, 20 years. We'll continue doing it. They're going to be able to move from the Civic Center over to PPAC, that you're only going to have to see right, whatever, right, four right, or five thousand. Right. But I do agree with you in the sense that that's a small revenue. I mean, what's the difference? And the beaches are, people enjoy those beaches so much. And they're really, there's a whole, the, at Scarborough Beach, there's a, a, a place that's a bluff, and loads of people from the city come down and they bring big, you know, uh, Cars and they have barbecues, I you were and, coolers, you know, coolers <laughs> cars, you know, and uh, most of them are, are Latino and they're having a wonderful time. And you know, that's great that they can get to use these things. And I think, like, uh, 
a few million dollars. That's something that we, I think we could afford to. What surprised me is that they haven't gone into lean years, Joe, that they didn't reinstitute the, um, the fee at the parks. My dad used to say, you know, back when I was growing up, Cold State Park, he had to throw in a buck or two. He said, I don't know what's more insulting, getting an AARP card when I'm 50 or when they just waved me through at Cold State Park because the senior <laughs> citizens were free. It was like, move along, old man. But they preserved that. You know, you <clears> can <throat> go to Goddard, you can go to Cold State, you can go to a lot of places. But it, it was so petty to raise the beach uh, fees because it's not going to generate that much money. And the people that enjoy it the most are low-income people can go to the beach for a few dollars, enjoy the day, and you're just making it more difficult for those big families or families to go to the beaches because they're going to spend that extra few dollars. This is the first time I've had uh, Joe and Maureen on in a while. Bill, you were on with us probably six, eight weeks ago. Uh, Dan McKee is now settling in. It was his 100 days last week. Let's just do a quick <coughs> around the horn. W what are your thoughts as he settles into the governor's seat, how he's doing? Well, uh, initially, I thought Dan McKee was going to be uh, the, one of the best choices of the Democrat uh, slate of p potential governors. But he did turn me off with criticizing Trump supporters, and he's not interested in them supporting him. So I'm a Trump supporter, and I still am a Trump supporter, and he doesn't want my support. So... You know, I don't know where I'm So where are you going to go? go? Jorge Alorza? I don't know. <laughs> That's for sure I'm not. <laughs> okay, <laughs> One of the reasons I came today was Jim told me that you were going to announce that you're going to run for governor next time around. <laughs> it's Bart Joe Trillo 2.0. That was, was going to yeah, be the big yeah. announcement today. Yeah, well, we're going to Look, at, I, think McKee, I think Dan McKee, uh, as anticipated, hit the ground running. I think he's done a great job. Uh, I think his selection of Sabina Matos uh, as lieutenant governor was fantastic. She's done a great job. And if you look what he's done in a very short period of time, about approximately 100 days, he has correctly, as Maureen has said, um, completely changed the tone at the Statehouse in terms of reaching out to people, including the few Republicans that we have up there. It's been a whole different atmosphere. He has got the uh, Rhode Island economy back open earlier than expected. Our vaccine rollout has increased dramatically. We've gone, according to Moody's, from uh, the, the middle of the pack to third in the country uh, and first in New England in terms of our economy being starting to recover from the pandemic. I mean, it's been just one thing after another in a very short period of time, and I think we're going to see a lot more great things from, from Governor McKay. I tend to agree. I mean, I think he's done a really good job. I think, as you mentioned, the idea of having Sabina Matos, not only is she a good person, but the way they do things together. I mean, that office should be combined. And uh, I hope this example will make the case that we should change the Constitution. But I agree with everything you said. I think he's done a really good job. And the other thing is, uh, he's got a sort of a, a, lay, a laid-back style. And I think people are ready for that. I think people need a relief. I think they want someone like him. He's moderate. He's in the middle. You know, he's not an extremist on, any, on, on anything. And, uh, you know, I think he's got great possibilities, and I think it's going to be tough to run against him. Yeah, he's also benefited clearly from the federal money and the vaccination rates are up. Sure. And, you know, hey, we're all walking around without masks. And I, the economy's going up. And the economy's going up. So we'll see what happens in the next year because it usually is on the economy. It's interesting. Uh, Governor Baker has decided that for the unvaccinated, he, he's doing this thing, Vax Millions, where they're taking some of the federal money. And it's like, you can win a scholarship and you can win a million dollars here. Dan McKee's kind of taking a different 
tack. He's like, well, you can win and they <clears> give <throat> it to your favorite charity. I- I'm not sure how that's going to work, but what do you think about using taxpayer money to try? And I'm not sure it's going to change anybody's mind, but what do you think about that whole program? Look, I think it's reasonable to use public funds for public safety and public health. We do it anyway. It just happens to be a, a different discussion now around uh, the vaccine. So. I think anything reasonable that, that convinces people who are still hesitant. Do you think that's going to gonna convince? Oh, I might be able to win the lottery of vaccines. Well, it's, Let it's me go showing. Get a shot. It's no, showing are. in other states that it makes a difference. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing that would make a difference is if, if Joe and, and all of his Trump supporters would be honest with people and say, encourage people to get the vaccine. It's safe. It makes a difference for them and for people around them. And I think if we join together, and maybe in Rhode Island, one thing we could do is instead of, have, instead of having a lottery, is everybody give, give, gets a week on Joe's boat this summer if they you get know, the vaccine. You know, what the, about that? Let me just say this. The guy that doesn't get any thanks for the, us being, this country being in the shape it's in right now with the vaccine is Donald Trump. He's got no respect. Biden comes in and people are crediting him. If it wasn't for Donald Trump's pushiness, his ability to move the ball fast, we would have still been suffering from this pandemic, which we're out of thanks to Trump ordering all this all this vaccine in advance and, and really protecting the American public. I'll Biden would have never done it. All right. I'll give you that. I'll give you Thank that you. Trump was good in terms of getting the vaccine produced and so forth. He failed completely because of the mixed messaging, and he also didn't implement it very well. And it was Biden that came along and did something about getting it into people's arms. So in that sense, I'll give you the fact that he was really good at getting this developed. But after that, I mean, the idea of saying you don't have to do it, 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 you know, he really... Trump was a salesman for the United States, and he didn't want to bring the country down mentally by always saying we're in bad shape, this is terrible, that's bad. He used, he was using psychology, which is pr- project a positive message day in and day out. Positive yeah, the message only... that if you don't get this vaccine that you're going to die? I the mean, only psychology on, that worked on apparently was a small group of Republicans, I think, because yeah. if it wasn't for Donald Trump, we'd have more people alive in this country today. He was an abject failure and lied to the country from day one about this virus. He knew about it months in advance of when he finally admitted how Mm -hmm. serious it was. Mm -hmm. He's been nothing but a a disturbance and a a drawback from day one. In many ways. But I have to tell you this other thing. It's going to make your day, Joe. Uh, We interviewed uh, Mike Chippendale, and we talked about the fact One of the questions that we asked was, do you think Trump should be the candidate in the next presidential election? And Mike was fairly clear in saying, at least in Rhode Island, this is not Trump territory. I mean, there are people that support him. He said, but the party, it was interesting because he indicated that the party is moving away from this. They're trying to rebuild. I want to hear Joe say whether or not Donald Trump is going to be sworn in again this August, like a lot of people in Trump's camp are saying. This August. This August. You know, President of the United States. The great return, Joe. You had yeah. not heard about it. Did you not get the memo? No, I didn't, get that, I didn't get that memo. You know, I, I think one of, the th- one of the problems with people is they tend to criticize people that they don't like this. Style. 
I, I never really liked his style. I liked what he was able to accomplish, and the only way you can accomplish what he did was by, by being a pushy guy that paid no attention to the politicians, and, and they couldn't get in his ear and sway him, and that I loved about him. Is the country a little calmer without him? Probably because a lot of people get so offended with his tweets, they get offended with the way he well, handles not things. Anymore. Yeah, not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. And what about the big lie? What about the, he claims he won the election by millions of votes. Do you think that hasn't had a profound impact Are on Are you going to tell me that you actually believe that this election, presidential election, wasn't bombarded with every rule that you could break, where they were sending out ballots that they didn't get approvals for the I'm, local I'm general asking, assemblies? I'm asking you a question. They did something. I'm asking they you stacked a question. The, they, Do you think Donald Trump won the election by millions of votes? He won, you know. We, he would have won had the Democrats not stacked against him. But, did he, but did he, he win it on the vote count? No, because they sent all these ballots out. They voted people two and three times. But he they, claims they, there was that no supervision over over some of these elections that were held in different uh, uh, states and. Uh, it, it, they were out of control, and if the Democrats get their way with this, with this bill that they're trying to propose, they want to make it legal to to do everything. No ID, voter ID. How can you say to me you don't want voter ID? How do you defend that? I have to show an ID every place I go. We have voter ID here. Yeah, we do in Rhode Island, but they want to take it away nationally. No, I think they're going to build it into the new bill. No, I think that that Joe's comments confirm why <coughs> there's the big lie. It confirms why the country, uh, and particularly in other areas, is so divided because it, Donald Trump's process has worked in many ways, which is just repeat a lie, and if you say it often enough, people will stop believing it. Joe, it's I just will, ridiculous. I will say, and I've said this before, Joe Biden could have really done himself a favor if he came out on one of those early vaccine things and said, you know what, I want to thank my predecessor. Doesn't even have to name him. You were right. And say, he got Operation Warp Speed, he had the vision to know that we, a lot of us were skeptical. We now have been able to pick up the ball. Would have silenced all of his Republican critics, including you, I would hope. And then he could go. And so what's he worried about? Some progressive like, oh, you know, don't mention Trump's name. So I thought that was a mistake. What I wonder is, though, for the, and we've talked about this here, the future of the Republican Party. Is Donald Trump the future in 2024 or do you think it's going to be Ron DeSantis or somebody else? Is he still a player? I think he's still a player by, simply by the amount of votes that he got as president. He still has a very powerful following. And if he chooses to run, I think that he would probably be the nominee. Do I think that uh, I'm right now ready to say I will support Donald Trump? I'm not. Well, it's three years early. It's, it's three years early. I like Ron DeSantis. I like some of the other up-and-coming people in the Republican Party. Ron is basically Trump with with laid back style and he's a, he's a, he came up the political background he he was a US senator he knows how to play the political game now what trump never learned he wasn't interested in politics he wasn't going to play the political game and it hurt him a lot there's no question about it because everybody was at his heels all the time so you need a guy that understands the basics 101 of politics and i think a guy like ron DeSantis understands that plus he, he he has the style of Trump, Trump in terms of what, what he believes in. What about the Republican Party going Well, I, you know, I, I think what you're saying is one of the things you should think about, when Trump says things like, 
I am 100% considering running again, all right? That blocks out all the people like DeSantis or Rubio or anybody else you can name because he's taking up all the oxygen. I really think he's going to fade. You know, he put up this uh, blog and he had to take, turn it down because no one... You know, no one well, he wanted, to to it. he wanted to charge to do it. That was a mistake. If you want to come out there and you want to offer people uh, another means of, of following you, mm-hmm. don't ask them to contribute to join. I won't join for the simple reason you're not going to charge me to join your social media. If you have to pay to go to Mesquamic, the least you could do is get onto his blog for free, right? You, right. There's only so much money in this world, Billy. Well, listen, there really is no Republican Party uh, nationally, for sure, anymore. It's Trump's party. I mean, he is the Republican Party, and they might as well just say it like it is. It's the Trump party. Everybody from, from the top of the Republican Party down nationally just is kissing his you-know-what. They're afraid to say anything negative about him because of, there might be some repercussion from him down the road. Nobody takes a breath in Washington, in the Senate or the House, in the Republican leadership, unless they run things by him. It's, it's outrageous. So to me, it's great. And I, and I hope he is the candidate um, next time around for president because well, he'll, lose, he'll lose again. And then he'll be saying he's going to get sworn in that following August. I what, mean, what a sad reality coming from you, you that the best person that the Democratic Party could put up for president was Joe Biden, and got, the best person for vice president was Kamala Harris. They got over they, 10 got, million more votes than Donald Trump were, did. They would have, they, those people would have voted for Donald Duck as opposed to Donald Trump. They didn't care I would vote for Donald Duck before ahead of Donald Trump. Why didn't you give yes. us a better person to be president? The guy is over the hill, over and I can say this as an old guy. He's over the hill. He's lost it. I think and he's, he's doing he's a fair... President. Uh, well, do you, how do, well, let's do it quick. We've only got about three minutes left. Geneva, Putin. I think, I think that... I, oh, wait a minute. I think that went fairly well. I mean, he healed the bridges in terms of Europe, and I, I'm sure that he came to an understanding with Putin. One of the things he said was, you know, he didn't threaten overtly, but he said, remember, we have a very sophisticated cyber security system saying, if you keep this up, you know, we're going to retaliate. So I think, you know, he, and he said he wasn't there to make make amends. He was there to reach an understanding. I thought he, I thought he, he did very well. He gave away the store before he came, which is a stupid way of negotiating. You don't give away the pipeline to Russia. You don't give away some of the other things that he gave away and then go into negotiations. You negotiate with somebody and then just say, you know what? If you can do this for me, I will do this for you. Instead, he did the stupid thing of giving it all away. Then he goes into the meeting. He looks like a weakling against Putin. I mean... He doesn't look like it. He didn't look like a weakling against Putin. Not at all. There's a lot of the Donald Trump acolytes who are, are upset <laughs> that he's that Joe Biden is not going to let Russia walk all over us, cut deals with Russia, interfere in our elections, hack into our businesses, and that's not going to happen under and Joe Donald Biden. And Donald Trump was really tough on Russia when he came out and he said, I believe Putin, I don't believe my national security advisors. I mean, that was really standing up and really being tough and set, set, stalking You know, one of the things him. that Donald Trump was good at a lot of the things that he said came to fruition. He said that the, 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 
that the hoax about him being in, in cahoots with Russia was, 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 was a joke, and it was a joke after two years of investigation. He came out about hydroxychloroquine when the, when the pandemic started, and everybody turned on him. They said hydroxychloroquine does not work. Well, they've done studies now study many studies and they're proving that it could have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. All right, I, I got to make an executive decision here. So could we, if we what, drank what, bleach, it could have, I guess it could have saved Executive decision. Lives. That was a stupid We're count. done, but we've got to do a lively By extra Trump. segment. So Joe, Joe Trillo and Maureen and Bill, thank you for those of us in the regular show. We're 30 minutes. We blew out through outrages. We'll do that in the next segment. Join us right now at ripbs.org slash lively. Go online because you know what, folks? This show cannot end, except for those who are watching on TV. Go online and come back next week as the Lively Experiment continues. But we'll hope to see you online. Experiment is generously underwritten by. For more than 30 years, a lively experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm John Hazen White Jr., and I'm proud to support this great program and Rhode Island PBS.